Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. We are now in season four, and with over 1,500 videos that are viewed and heard around your, around the world, I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very senior professional from India, Mr. Rajesh Gopal. Rajesh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ashutosh, and uh, really happy to be here. Um, you just told me that uh, there is a milestone you've just crossed, so many congratulations to you for crossing the 1500 mark. Thank you. I think that's a fantastic achievement. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Rajesh is the co-founder of Self Achievers. He's a business strategy consultant, and he's a micro-learning evangelist. Uh, Rajesh is creating a talent pool of entrepreneurs. He's also a business advisor and a brand strategy consultant. And today we'll talk to uh, Rajesh about creating a talent pool and about startups. So Rajesh, before we get into discussion on entrepreneurs, tell me quickly about your own journey. Ah, okay. So uh, I think it's been a absolutely fantastic uh, journey of uh, multiple experiences. Mm -hmm. When I look back on the 25 odd years that have uh, gone by, I think uh, one thing that's been common in all these years is the, uh, you know, is the urge to seek variety. Uh, that's uh, how I started with uh, you know, with capital equipment and Thermax and moved to consumer durables with uh, Titan in Bihar and then mm -hmm. jewelry with Spanish in Mumbai and the West and followed by telecom and broadband with Reliance and Focom and then uh, decided to take a plunge into the, uh, you know, entrepreneurial world, if you will, started working with a startup called Meritrack in the skill assessment space, which I had absolutely no clue of. Uh, further on, moved to education consulting, business and brand consulting, and most recently in the learning and development space. So I think uh, uh, while the common thread uh, pretty much has been sales, marketing, and business development, if you look at it from the you know the T model that people talk of, I mm -hmm. think uh, that's been the vertical pillar. I think across the horizontal, there have obviously been a plethora of uh, industries and experiences and a mix of large and small organizations. So I think it's been absolutely fantastic. fantastic. And then you uh, decided to start uh, working on creating a talent pool of entrepreneurs. Tell me a little bit about this initiative and what was the motivation to do it? Okay, so the uh, that was actually started, um, you know, largely because of my most recent uh, assignment as the president of a uh, uh, ed tech firm based out of Singapore called mm -hmm. Dr. Gurupool, which was an mm -hmm. experience in learning space. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started working with um, school kids. Uh, we were also working with university students. And uh, somewhere, I, you know, uh, my co-founder and I uh, figured that entrepreneurship is right now a big wave. Mm -hmm. And we said, how do we go about uh, you know, helping the school children translate their ideas into a side hustle at least. Mm -hmm. So this whole initiative that we are working on under the Self Achievers banner is uh, is a boot camp in entrepreneurship for uh, school children. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, typically an eight to fifteen day kind of a boot camp, which is really 
uh, helping uh, these uh, you know students to as i said convert a idea into uh, reality yeah mm. so that's really uh, what i'm doing uh, the other thing that i'm also doing connected to entrepreneurship is i consult with the local chapter of tai which is the mm-hmm. indus entrepreneurs yeah and uh, in fact it's exactly about a year that i started uh, engaging with them where i'm driving a good to great transformation initiative on how does styling become more relevant to the entrepreneurial community of today very interesting right? so those are the uh, initiatives that we are mm-hmm. so that good to great essentially is about how do we reposition this chapter of tai to make it relevant to uh, you know the current pool of entrepreneurs Uh, how do we uh, sense what is it that they are really looking for how do we uh, ensure that values delivered to them through the various programs that tai does and in that process uh, how does tai itself kind of move up to the next level of uh, you know operations so you know uh, in uh, your current uh, role as co-founder of self achievers you speak about employability enhancement consulting and experiential learning help me understand right. how you are achieving these and please give an example sure so uh, the employability enhancement uh, side of things actually is a reference to something that i did in the past which is uh, you know when uh, i actually put together what at that point of time was india's first employability certification uh, skill assessment program mm-hmm. pretty much like the gre gmat where the focus was on enabling those students from the not so privileged colleges mm-hmm. who, who don't get the exposure and the recruitment opportunities to actually get interviewed by top organizations purely on the basis of their employability quotient not just mm-hmm. their university marks and all that mm-hmm. uh, so the idea in that sense was to bring transparency to that whole system provide uh, provide a merit based uh, let's say recruitment platform for uh, students Uh, now going forward i mean some of the other work that i have done essentially um, we are um, you know looking at what kind of skills do people need to have uh, to actually become employable because that's a moving target uh, now even in the um, you know most uh, recent kind of work that i did with uh, let's say in the experiential learning space we were equipping students with 21st century skills like collaboration and communication and uh, you know uh, let's say clarity of thought creativity etc etc right so uh, that is really the focus on uh, you know building employability skills in um, students and professionals uh, the experiential learning part of it even in the boot camps that we are doing are very very i mean in the sense they are like workshops so there are there is a lot of uh, focus not just on the theory part but is actually learning by doing and which is something that i think the indian education system is still trying to come to grips with the national education policy does talk about uh, focus on learning by doing but i think that is still a long way to go so there's a lot of stuff that keeps coming to people largely based on theory but then i think the crux of the whole thing is 
can you really apply what you learn? Because uh, as they say, I mean, hmm, uh, you know, uh, you get uh, you get respected for your knowledge, but you get paid for your skills. Mm. So that's the reality that we are trying to help students. Very interesting. So you know, with the the, the edtech company that you are that you are part of, you are the co-founder of. I wanted to ask you, uh, what are some of the challenges we face in education in our country today, and how are these being handled? Yeah, I think the uh, big challenges in education largely are, I mean, if you look at the K-12 space, I think there is, of course, a challenge in terms of uh, access, there's a challenge in terms of affordability, and then, uh, you know, it's also about how relevant whatever is being, uh, you know, the education, uh, let's say the curriculum that is there, how really is it aligned to, uh, you know, the, the current expectations that the world has. Mm. Um, and if you again look at, let's say, what happened uh, during the COVID times, well, there was a lot written about how people were learning through, let's say, tablets and mobile phones and etc. But then some of the reports that have come subsequently have talked about the huge gaps in learning that are there. You know, people mm. have somewhere forgotten their basic math and uh, you know, or, you know, and maybe math and English or whatever it is. Some of those basic things and skills are kind of there is a huge gap. Right. So I think uh, the, uh, the big challenge in uh, education, of course, is uh, some of the things that I pointed out earlier. I think there's also, um, um, you know, the other issue in terms of, um, let's say, do we, uh, you know, do we really have the teachers? I think that's a big uh, issue. I mean, if you look at the number of teachers to students, that ratio is really uh, not healthy and, uh, uh, you know, and in India, all of us know, I mean, we don't really kind of give teachers their due. Uh, the only country that I know where, let us say, teachers are celebrated right at the top of the employment pyramid happens to be Finland. Uh, but in a place like India, teachers are like, you know, kind of taken for granted. So I think the big other big challenge is, do we have all the right teachers? Third is, I think, on the curriculum, how, uh, you know, well-tuned it is to what uh, is required for people to, as they step out into the uh, big bad world, uh, you know, project-based learning, I think, is the other thing that is not coming uh, through. That's an uh, opportunity area for which uh, some of the startups are already working on. In fact, in my previous avatar, we were actually working with school students to help them solve problems in and around them using design thinking as a construct. And where we realized that fundamentally, uh, people's, uh, you know, Indian kids are super bright, they have lots of ideas, but then they struggle because, uh, you know, they are not able to convert that into something which is, uh, you know, which people at large will appreciate. So I think these are three, four uh, broad challenges that the education system is facing. And given the size of the uh, system, I mean, it's not surprising. I think uh, there are some good moves that have already been taken. Uh, I mean, there are, of course, a lot of private enterprises we are trying to uh, fix this. The government has actually tried to fix a lot of this through the NEP, where we have talked about, let's say, lateral entry, a differential, uh, you know, the, the whole, um, uh, you know, school system is kind of getting reorganized. Um, then we are, there's a focus on AI. So some changes are coming through, but I think it's still working for And what are the areas you are working on specifically? Uh, so in the uh, education space, uh, we are actually working in the entrepreneurship, uh, you know, uh, okay. space, if you will. So as I said, we are trying to uh, get people uh, to develop those entrepreneurial skills. 
the ability to uh, visualize, the ability to uh, ideate, the ability to con you know, uh, let's say, think through on what, whether that particular idea can actually create an impact. How do you go about converting that into uh, let's say um, side hustle at least. So those are some of the things that we are working. Very interesting. So let me now move to startups. You've uh, you know supported a lot of startups. You I'm sure work with a lot yeah. of startups. You may have invested in many. So let me start by asking you the most basic question. What, in your opinion, are some of the important qualities a startup entrepreneur needs to have? Ah, okay. While there is, of course, a typical list, but I'll kind of flip that a bit. I think the first important thing that uh, startup founders uh, need to have, I think, is a lot of humility. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, of course, the usual things about having a vision. They have to be a little mad because there'll be a lot of people who will come and tell them what will work, what will not work. But I think there has to be that, uh, you know, that passion for what they are doing. So that's an important uh, quality. There is, of course, the need for uh, focus. Um, and staying true to the uh, games, uh, then being persistent. Uh, and I think uh, the other important thing which I've learned over the years is, can you really get the right people on the bus? Hmm. Right? What, in so, your opinion, are the reasons startups fail? Okay. Uh, I think a um, couple of things I kind of uh, cover. I think uh, let me kind of uh, dwell on that a little bit. Uh, I think the uh, important thing is, an understanding of what is the fundamental problem that the customer is actually facing, right? Mm -hmm. I've often found startups so enamored by the technology, the solution that they are actually putting together, they could somewhere forget the customer. Mm. So that's one of the typical conversations that I have with most startups. They're saying, hey, look, what is the problem you're trying to solve? And are you, uh, you know, are you solving the right problem? Mm. I think, uh, you know, that's an important uh, thing for uh, you know, startups to really focus on. Uh, the mm -hmm. other thing I think which uh, can make the difference between success and failure is the lack of a differentiated offering uh, because at the end of the day, there will be a lot of people who will be doing stuff. So can you do it? Uh, as I say, can you to do things a little differently compared to others? Because mm -hmm. that is where, let us say, a customer will see value. Um, in addition to that, uh, in their growth journey, I think a lack of funding can actually uh, impact, uh, you know, uh, success or failure for startups. Mm. And beyond that, I think uh, things about whether you have the right people with you. In fact, I'm right now uh, actually advising an early stage uh, startup in the social emotional learning space. Mm. And we have raised, faced with the situation where the uh, between the say four uh, co-founders three of them actually have a strong background let us say in the uh, the domain but they are just not cut out to be in the startup world because they've uh, not been able to make the transition from a corporate mm -hmm. so essentially uh, you know you really have to have fire in the belly when you are in a startup because there's nobody going to come and kind of bail you out mm -hmm. you got to uh, kind of uh, you know do the heavy lifting and the challenge that the team is now facing is the three out of the co-founders actually ones who are saying, okay, if business comes, we will deliver. Mm. And the question that I'm putting to them is, what's your operating plan looking like? And when are, what is the, who's going to give you a check first, mm. right? Before you deliver. So I think that is the, uh, that's the other thing. So now there is a full rejigging that is happening in that startup. And, you know, I think the co-founders are actually going to, move out and then they're going to probably look at other roles and maybe they'll exit the system and a new uh, team has to be put together. 
Mm. So that's typical. In fact, something that I'm in the midst of right now, as we okay. speak. So when you talk funding, one of the questions that are often asked by startup founders is that should one bootstrap as long as possible or should one raise money whenever it's available? What are your thoughts? Mm, okay, no right or wrong here. <laughs> I think it really depends on the outlook of the founding team. What is the size of the pie that they are running after? Mm-hmm. Uh, now that said, uh, I've met with a bunch of founders who actually come with stars in the eyes and they're saying, hey, look, I want to become a unicorn and I want to raise money and all of that. So that's one side of the story. Mm-hmm. But there are others who are saying, look, I'm wary of taking external funding because I lose control, which is the mm-hmm. reality that they have to deal with. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag there. Uh, my own take on that, I think, is that, uh, and this is my personal experience also, I think customer-funded business are the best. Mm-hmm. And if you are able to get your business model aligned in a manner that you have uh, kind of, uh, you know, enough traction for you, uh, so that is by far the best. Uh, I'm, if, if uh, somebody were to put a gun to my head and say, hello, what would you uh, recommend, I think I would tell people, hey, look, you know, uh, maybe you should bootstrap as long as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Before it becomes inevitable for you to raise money, mm-hmm. right? Uh, okay. Because I'd be, I mean, uh, it, it's it's sometimes uh, a little frustrating when you look at founders who got these, uh, you know, there's the dream that they are nurturing and then suddenly a lot of it gets uh, punctured because you have a bunch of investors and rightfully so, they are there. Uh, they're putting their money and they're going to get the exit so that they can pay the, uh, their, uh, let's say, uh, you know, their LPs or whatever. So they are, uh, you know, the founders are pretty frustrated because they're saying, look, this is not the direction that we wanted to go or take the company in, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, frustration that they deal with. So my take on it, bootstrap as long as you can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And my last question to you, and this is for the many people who will listen to us, uh, based on your amazing journey, all your learnings, all your knowledge, what would you say are three lessons or three learnings you want our viewers and listeners to take away? Hmm, okay, so I'll probably, I'll talk to you about uh, three that are top on mind. And hmm. I also realized that from every organization that I was a part of, there is at least one learning that I can very clearly articulate. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd like to do that as well. Uh, the first, of course, is what I've uh, figured is, um, uh, you know, learning is ex- essentially a journey and not a destination and it gets mm-hmm. maximized when you're outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give you an example, I went back to a formal campus environment in my 45th year simply mm-hmm. because I thought I was a lot of uh, clutter and baggage in my head. Mm-hmm. And I want to get rid of all of that. So I said, let me go back to a school. Let me unlearn a lot of stuff that I have in my head so that I can be fresh mm. and I kind of retool and reboot myself for the next, uh, you know, uh, let's say phase, mm. right? So I, I strongly believe in that uh, and learning can come from pretty much anywhere. It, it doesn't really depend on how many, let's say, how many years of experience you have or how many, let's say, gray hair you have or whatever it is. I think it's really, you can pretty much learn from anywhere. Hmm. Uh, the second thing I think is networking is super important. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing that happened to me after my, uh, you know, uh, that uh, program that I did with the NCI Business School. So I had uh, access to a brand new network in my 45th year, which I think is uh, is extremely useful. Mm-hmm. And it's a global network, so it's helping me uh, in multiple ways. Uh, so networking is in that sense, uh, according to me, is a marathon. And you got to run that without trying to, uh, 
uh, overthink and uh, about what kind of outcomes you are going to get. You got to go with the flow and and a lot of serendipitous uh, things come your way and it can actually make things very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third is that it's good to focus and solve only those problems that you can control because there are lots of things that are outside your sphere of control and there's absolutely no point in trying to uh, kill yourself trying to solve that because anyway nothing will come out of it right, right. So these are three broad things and um, if i have a couple of minutes then i quickly want to talk about um, you know uh, my sure. first sure. what ahead. i learned is uh, investing in people is super important mm-hmm. uh, from my second organization what i learned is put people outside their comfort zone and their learning will be maximized mm-hmm. because i remember uh, i was asked where i would like to be posted and i said the south of india and they put me in patna mm-hmm. right and i said wow what the hell have i landed up to <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. but i think that, that that one year i learned so much mm-hmm. uh, you know working in the hinterlands of india mm-hmm. uh, you know that was by far a defining part of my career mm-hmm. uh, in the third stint what i picked up is that um, you know um, if you really put your shoulder to the wheel then it is possible to affect a turnaround mm-hmm. and this is because i was part of the turnaround uh, team at tanishk tanishk was bleeding at the time when we all got in and we turned it around and now it's by far the money spinner for the titan uh, you know company uh, and then in when my fourth stint what i learned is uh, you know uh, what we call as uh, saturation of resources this was a typical strategy that the company used to use which is when you got to get things done just give it everything that you have mm. right uh, and beyond that of course uh, all the startup or uh, those kind of uh, assignment that i have been part of each of them has been full of love so mm. that's essential wonderful and on that note rajesh thank you so much for speaking to me thank you for your three lessons learning is a journey and not a destination networking is very important and focus and solve problems that you can control uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your own journey, about all the work you're doing to create a talent pool of entrepreneurs. And thank you also for speaking to me about startups. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you, Ashutosh. It was a pleasure, a great way to begin uh, the morning. I wish you uh, the very best for the next maybe 3,000 episodes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.